0: Briker! He's out! And another! Big stick it in! Thank you, good night! What? That was liquid football! Uh, shit! How did you see that? He must have a
1: foot like a traction engine! The roof is in the pudding. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Full Podcast. This cheery, happy episode of the Down the Full Podcast. Uh, welcome back, Gary. Um, what a win.
0: <laughs> I know, mate. Fantastic. I've got my I've got my Guinness in a Halifax Wanderers glass to celebrate. Love it. Um, Good mood all week. Yeah, it's brilliant. I think we're, we're probably the best team in the world, I'd say. Us or Man City?
1: I, I definitely think so. I, I like To be honest with you, if Haaland had seen this performance, he probably would have moved to Halifax rather than Manchester, to be honest mate, with you. Matty
0: Fegan, give him a call. He's, yeah, He's, he's going to sign. I know. He's interested.
1: Well, a big time. Well, this could be... You know, we have the, the big signing coming True. July the 7th, so
0: fingers crossed. Get a due pre-season with us, banging a few goals against Forge. Yeah. He'll be flying when the league starts in England. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, it was it was the complete 180 of what happened against Forge. And I feel, I mean, um it, it's just, it's been amazing. It was an amazing game to watch. Uh, I watched the uh, Kyle Brady's with the good folks from the block went away and I had a great time. There was a good crowd there singing some songs. I know the privateers had their own thing at the, uh, the free house. One of my favorite things about that's happening now is that there's watch parties because before the away games were kind of dead and mm. you'd kind of just either watch your home or go to, I remember watching it a few times at the end of the bar at Nelly's and like, and no atmosphere or, a band playing in the background. So it's kind of nice that all this stuff was happening in the city and there's a buzz about the away games.
0: Big time. Yeah. I know. I, I remember kind of always thinking before that a lot of people that went to the games maybe only followed the home games and they didn't really know about the away games. But the more pubs and bars you have showing the games, the better it's going to be for everyone, especially with sound on as well. That's the key. Like I've, I know a few of them would kind of it always seems a bit sheepish and embarrassed about it like they'd stick it on at the end of the bar quietly but they didn't they didn't want to like be like balls out where Halifax Wanderers pub but I think a few of them are now like I I love watching games at Freehouse I just think it's a really nice pub um but yeah it sounds like the atmosphere in Kybrades is incredible as well so yeah really really good that I think the city had embraced the club to a point but now it's going another step further. Like, there's more flags now. There's more attention on away games. It's yeah, great job by the marketing department of the club, I think, to make that happen.
1: Uh, but I, I think I think a lot of it's coming from the supporters groups themselves because last year the club had their partner pubs and there was a kind of a bit of a push. And I found that times you'd go to the pubs that they'd listed, and the game wouldn't be on. So I think that kind of that put me off a lot of times when I like, and it's true no fault of the club because obviously some of the club had talked to the bars and said. Hey, blah, blah, blah. And then you like, I don't know, many times like I turned up to the pub and they'd be like, oh, we didn't even know there was a game on that kind of stuff. It'd
0: Whereas... usually be about seven or eight, wouldn't there? And I yeah. think, but now it's kind of been localized to just two. And there might be another one. I think Celtic Corner might still play yeah. it, but, but just like those two are the ones I think most people are going to. You know, you're going to see other fans there. And, and it like, you...
1: uh, was like, yeah, like, sorry, Kai Brady's like had the sound on. It was, there's no like kind of distracting music out front and mm. everybody was cheering there was chants going so yeah man it was a great time. Um, you,
0: you want it to get to the point don't you where you can just kind of rock up on your own not making any plans to meet anyone but you know there's going to be a load of other wondrous fans who you can sit with and chat to about the game because I'm, I'm a big advocate for going to pubs alone which sounds really sad but <laughs> like it's a nice thing too isn't it? like when you finish work yeah. on a Friday just like Right, I want to get to the booze, and have a quick pint, and just chill out for a bit. And and then if you see someone you know, happy days. But yeah, you want that. You want that environment where you can do that.
1: And it, like you're right there with the free house. Uh, like their back room is one of the best places in Halifax to watch football. Mm. And uh, when they put the games on, there's always like a great beer selection. And um, there's something quaint. do they still? project it onto the wall
0: yeah yeah with all the flower all the plants hanging down I, as well i like
1: that man i think it's just it's it's something different and yeah i, I kind of like it so getting into the game here um just looking at the lineup first of all like we, we kind of had big change obviously from forge with rampersat and uh jeremy coming back in but sam started and it, so what did you think of the lineup
0: felt exciting when i first saw it I, I i should have looked this up before we started recording but i don't remember sam daniels and um Salter playing as a front three, at least not starting as a front three yet. And I just remember thinking that that felt really fresh when I when I looked at the the, the team sheet. It felt like something I hadn't seen before. Um, so, yeah, I like that. Delighted that Rampasad and Jeremy were back as well. Um, we, we kind of talked about this last week about Polisi probably the way we play now being better as an eight rather than a six so it was good to see him there uh, he to be fair he did drop back into the six spot a few times but mainly he was very aggressive very high pressing eight uh and i thought he was brilliant as a result um and yeah back line absolutely fine with like we've said a million times Charla, restrepo santos just keep on rotating those three i know it was an enforced rotation but keep on rotating those three keep them all fresh and yeah and we we might do something this year
1: yeah, I thought um, when I saw Sam, Daniels and Salter, I was like, I wonder if this is actually going to work because I don't I don't think of Sam as being this pacey kind of winger because I guess Daniels was kind of playing that Morelli role that you kind of always kind of expect him to play all along. And I think it's one of the kind of first times you've actually seen him play that kind of like false nine kind of thing. But um, I I thought Sam had an excellent game. He got himself into some really good positions and um, he was always willing to kind of push on and like make the run. So I was really surprised and impressed by him. But yeah, so Daniel's...
0: Yeah, I was going to say, the thing I like about Sam is he's just another dribbler. And I think we, last season especially, we missed having players who carried the ball like by dribbling rather than trying to pass through the lines. It's It's just another... It's another trick up your sleeve, isn't it? And with him and Daniels, it's, there's just a bit more jeopardy. Like when they get the ball, they ask a few more questions of the defenders because they don't know if they're going to pass it or try and dribble past them. So, yeah, Sam is very direct and, yeah, very good, good close control and good dribbler. Kind of couple of games I
1: saw him, like he looked rusty, and I, I don't know, he just couldn't kind of wasn't clicking for him. But just I think it's the first game when he actually looked like a player and a, a, like he. I thought he was. I thought he was excellent. I thought that he uh, led the line really well and kind of uh, even with Sammy Salter, like we had, we have, we have three players, as you said, that can dribble and take a player on, which is always something we've kind of like lacked, as you said. Mm. So I mean, it was it was fantastic.
0: Do do you like Sam on the left?
1: Yes, yeah, so I actually thought like, and think you know, we've kind of talked before about Salter kind of playing out in the wing, but when he does play out in the wing, or and they play narrow anyway, Salter coming in from the right he's brilliant like I, I think like his um his close control like is so much improved on last year I and mean, he's like just this injection of confidence in, in Salter is like just making him such a great player to watch like I, I mean it's it's night and day to last year yeah. and like Sam I, I think kind of was doing a lot of similar things just like as you said asking questions of defenders and giving people like stuff to think about and, and pressure on them. So it was fantastic. But I, I kind of want to get, get your thoughts on Daniels. Like, I mean, we, we talk about him endlessly because we're just waiting for him to to click. And this kind of
0: felt like yeah, it clicked. Yeah, I, I I felt the same. I thought he was good when I watched it. And then watching it back, and I was trying to pay a bit more attention to him to figure out his role. And I thought, actually, no, he was brilliant. He wasn't just good. He was, especially in the first half, he was brilliant. He was he, he basically played that role exactly how Morelli used to play that role and I think they've we've obviously stuck to the same way of playing this season um and just been plugging people into that false nine position but they've people have done well and worked hard and tried hard there but they've no one's actually been able to do it like Morelli who was given so much license to roam. like I, I like I think Morelli was basically told go wherever you want like you're good enough at football to figure this out on your own just do whatever you want and make it happen and it, it worked for him and I think the other players that have been replacing Morelli haven't been given that much license or at least they haven't had the confidence to take that much um, license but Daniels just seemed to decide on Saturday that he is the player we we are aware he is like from a talent level and he he was like sometimes he was he was at the center circle like next to rampy picking out there and then the next second you'd see him on the left wing and then the next second you'd see him arriving in the box for a to score yeah brilliant all-round performance like i thought his passing was much better much crisper and you see him as soon as he scores as well like just this weight
1: yeah you can can see in his shoulders yeah
0: and his passing like he was doing things more one touch after that um you could just see he was acting Mm -hmm. on instinct rather than overthinking things and Brilliant goal as well. I don't know if you want to, you plan to talk about that later, but if you want to talk about that now, like his goal was just yeah,
1: fantastic I, goal. I, I kind of I just want to touch up, uh, on, on a point that you made about um, when he was dropping back and we saw him kind of in the middle. Like the game against Forge, we kind of talked about players that didn't appear to be making an effort, and I, I think anybody who read between the lines would kind of realize who we were talking about. And but like honestly, like this game. Like he was everywhere and he was putting tackles in and, you know, when Morelli has that license to do whatever he wants to, he still has a role within the, the team to defend when we're, when we don't have the ball. And I think Daniel's like, that like was brilliant at that too. That it wasn't just forward. I think that he was really disciplined in um, how he was like tracking back and uh, gave us an extra dimension I thought when we were um, when we didn't have the ball so yeah
0: I, I agree yeah sorry Um, just very very quickly on that so what I've noticed recently is our false nine and I think this is quite common for false nines like their defensive responsibility is always just to sit on the other team's six or if they're playing with a double pivot he'll sit on one and Jeremy will push up onto the other one and he, the, both of them did that really well against Pacific so yeah yeah great effort as well
1: so uh, do you want to talk us through the goal? Um, it, it was I just
0: love that goal. I just like
1: it was the whole thing, like the clever thinking of the the quick free kick, because uh, I, I think Sam had just got injured, injured or something like that. So I, mm. I think uh, Pacific had
0: switched off. So you so, see, it's it's, it's kind of hard to see because obviously we know the Starlight Stadium camera angle is really shitty. Like that's no great secret, but like you can just about see Ganda in the corner of the picture, and so you see More- sorry, not Morelli, Jesus. This <laughs> so is say, like saying your ex's name isn't it <laughs> <laughs> sorry darling <that> I, mean. <laughs> I, I Ross take the M um, no it's like um, yeah so you see Gander like look at look at Daniels and Daniels straight away makes the run before Gander's even kicked it did it she's kind of slow to react and Gander beautifully fly ball over and it's like in the next moment which I loved about this goal where Daniels kind of while the ball's in midair he uses his body, so he's doing two things at once, and this is blows my mind actually. Like one of the things he's doing is turning his body to block off Didich from making a recovery tackle, whilst also angling his body so the flight of the ball lands in front of him. And it's um it's amazing when you see him do it. Like it's li- it's really like shifty, subtle little movements. And yeah, great first touch puts Didich on his ass and. I mean, the, the finish was quite close to the keeper who had a bit of a nightmare, but you can forgive that because everything that came before it was was top, top level for this league. Like, not I, many other players could have done that start to finish.
1: I, I don't think so either. And I think you're right. Like, just the, like being able to judge the flight of the ball, the control, the, the turn, that, like, as you said, Paul, did it on his And like, did it... Has been like one of the, the best defenders in the league, and you don't see that often where, like, you know, somebody turns him inside out like that. And Callum Irvin did have a nightmare, but you can kind of forgive him that one because, like, I don't think he was expecting it. Because if you mm. look at Daniels, almost goes to faint to shoot, and you can kind of see him kind of turn. So I think <clears> he was just wasn't sure of his angles because I don't think he was expecting them to turn back inside like that. So it was, it was, I, I think it's probably one of the best. Wanderers goals I've seen The whole performance overall is probably one of the best Wanderers performances And it was just Yeah
0: definitely
1: a, a welcome tonic From the The depth and despair That we felt after Forge But mm-hmm. just I, I kind of wanted to Just, just touch a little bit um, On Obviously After the Forge game Like There was a lot of Negativity Like you know And I kind of brought that up In the last one About how people were Kind of muttering on the way Out of the stadium And you know I, That's why I kind of Reached out to Derek To have him on the show And stuff But Like if you're Stephen Hart like and you're Derek Martin, like this is just, just like it's football, so so weird, isn't it? Like I mean, we were all desperately afraid of what the fuck was going to happen out here, and then this happened. Like I mean, you got to give it to Stephen Hart; I think he got his tactics spot on.
0: It's not. I don't think it's a problem actually. I think it's a good thing that people are always constantly talking about football because it makes all of our days a lot better. But. I th- there's, there's something that happens now, and this is not just a CPL or Wondrous thing. This is all levels of, of sport, actually. Because of social media and because of idiots who podcast after every game to review what happened, um, <laughs> because of all it's this... It's all a you know, false imperative <laughs> in our time. I'm, I'm Mr. Positive. No, no, like, so. both of this, that's both of us, like, talking about every game after it finishes in depth. Like, when when people like us do that and when people talk about it in the Discord or, the, or Twitter or whatever every game becomes a referendum on the coach or a referendum on recruitment or a referendum on the direction of the club and like we all fail to look at things a bit more holistically over 10 games or 20 games or a season and every game decides whether we're shit or whether we're brilliant and I think last week against Forge we were awful and again you and I did this we sat here for an hour and talked about how shit we are and then after this it's like the absolute opposite and now i'm thinking oh you know pacific are going to fall away if we beat ottawa like we we, we're going to be third within a week maybe and it just shows you how quickly it can change um and it's interesting like the the how you can mirror this game with the forge game because i think we actually beat pacific by doing to them what forge did to us and it was almost like the exact performance that forge did but we did it this time and it worked really well and we we beat them that
1: was that, that was one of the things I was actually gonna bring up like it was like Pacific didn't do their homework whatsoever and didn't press high up the pitch so because like, like against forge the two times they put so much pressure on the back line and rampersat like that kind of the the kind of back line because we're kind of used to having the ball Easy enough in the back line, but like when they're when Forge was under pressure, we were rushing the pass ins, we were kind of trying to hit the corners, trying to like just do stuff that was very young like. And uh, th- these guys just sat off as like, and it was, I, I thought their first half there was so lethargic. Like, uh, mm. it was, I mean, like, I, I did want to ask you, like, I mean, like, obviously, we're Wanderers fans, but Pacific have been on an awful run. Like, I, like, I think that's what five games, six games now, whether we win or yeah, um, but like, do you think this team like is just lacking confidence, or do you think that good coaches like Stephen Hart, like Stephen Hart, is a good coach? Like, I I, I have my disagreements, disagreements sometimes with the way he does stuff, but he is a good coach. But do you think that teams would just them out, or do you think that it's just a confidence thing?
0: I think they flattered to deceive at the start of the season because they had a really favorable schedule. They played, I think, like five of their first six games were at home or something coming off a season where they finished when they won the the championship as well. So I think that was a bit of a false flag and everyone thought they were a bit better than they are, which has made this like drop off in form feel a bit more dramatic. Whereas I, I think they've always been this team this whole season. I think they've always been quite patchy and like, I think of them I don't know how to explain. I think it's like a punk rock team where they play in like bursts. They're playing like three minute bursts or one and a half bursts where they look really good. But I've never seen them consistently perform that well this season when I've when I've watched them at least. I think you just go from having a coach who was like he's a hugely charismatic figure, isn't he? Um, Par yeah like he's a hugely charismatic guy like hasn't like massive presence doesn't he when you see him like even yeah. if it comes across through the tv screen so i can't imagine what it's like in training very high standards and i have no idea if uh, merriman's a good coach or not i don't really know anything about the guy to be honest but that's a tough act to follow that's a really tough act to follow mm-hmm. as well as losing your best center back very good right back and I actually thought at the beginning of the season I thought oh, they've lost McNaughton but they've brought Didich in and he's he's good but we're the perfect team to play against Didich because he's 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 a really good penalty box defender and he's really he'll be brilliant against like Ottawa like where they've got two big guys yeah. Didich will be brilliant in those games but when you play against a team like us with a very dynamic front three who move and interchange I think he struggles and his mobility found out a bit so yeah they they're, they're 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 right in it with us and Ottawa for that four, or maybe even Valor. I don't know for that fourth spot. I think so,
1: I, I just like like watching them. Like I mean, I, I just like it's from, from the start of the season. Obviously, they were still riding that high of like last year, but it, it, they just look bogged down and like they're they re- I guess they really missed like Manny Apricio and yeah, obviously he's like a dynamic midfielder and stuff like that. But like their passing passing was so off, oh wasn't it? God, like I don't, I, there was at least two or three occasions when they were trying to just do simple passes out to the right wing to Marco Bussos and just didn't. And even even he just seems off. You know what I mean? Like like I mean like he had a couple of like little moments in the game. And mm. like you're right, they, they kind of do like they're kind of playing in bursts. There's a couple of like good moments in the second half, but they didn't really create that much either. I mean, like there was the one that they hit the bar, like and then I think there was one where uh, Polisi. Uh, evil police like um <laughs> and look like I, I think everybody thought the goal had gone in because of the way it hit the, the net um but like like it was just yeah it, it, it's just really weird like and you know f- going from everybody's like favorites after the first five games like I said football's such a funny fickle business that now like Stephen Hart after this victory everybody's like you know like he's this amazing amazing manager and like James Merriman's probably in trouble where people are probably like the fuck's going on with the champions? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly.
0: Uh, I think just a couple of things you said there, like Bustos, I completely. Yeah, I, I've to be honest, I've I've always been a bit of a Bustos skeptic. I've never thought he's quite as good as a lot of people say. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think this league is probably a ceiling. i would probably get pelters for that, but I've just never seen much. But like he's, he's, he's a right, he's a right winger with a good left foot. Like there's loads of them about. I'd rather have Sammy Salter there doing that. Um, to be honest, because he's got a physical profile as well. Yeah, pol- police it's funny seeing the polices, wasn't it? Oh against my each God. other. It Do you is. see that picture of the three of them afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> It's like it, it looked like you know, you see like behind the scenes movie pictures of like Tom Cruise with his stunt <laughs> double. It reminded me of that, like Marcelo <laughs> Polisi with his stunt double. Like, oh my god, that's amazing! That's exactly it, man. It,
1: was, it, it just looked like a bad science experiment, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, yeah, well, yeah, I, I just like, um. There was a couple of nice like little moments where the two of them kind of had a, a coming together in the middle of the pitch. And yeah, it was kind of like you, you just felt like the, there was going to be an earthquake or something. It was just like a you know the momentous occasion of like two two uh, immovable objects hitting each other. But like like just flipping back to, to boost us a little bit. Like I I I I think he's a great player and I think he's he is probably one of the best players in the league. But last season he got hampered by a lot of injuries. Um, he was kind of in and out of the team and then and I don't know whether that's playing a little bit on his mind like like he's probably afraid to to, because I think a lot of them are like kind of muscle injuries and he's probably just afraid to kind of you know players like that to have that bit of burst of energy like Mike alone had it like uh, you know they kind of always have hamstring injuries and and stuff like that so I don't know whether that's playing on his mind but he just you know like Gander should have been the perfect player for him to play against because Gander is great defensively but he's not quick and uh, I, I think Gander was it absolutely brilliant like he yeah hand, he handled everything that Busos was throwing at him it was it was a, probably his best performance I think so far I've seen in a wander shirt and he's had a couple to be honest yeah
0: so. he he's I, I can see Gander working in stages where I don't think he's offering that's the wrong phrase because it sounds negative like but I'm going to say like he doesn't he doesn't offer us a huge amount in the attacking phases but I don't think that's a problem because I think uh, like again reading the tea leaves a bit I think the coaching staff are just going get yourself settled and sorted defensively like that is your first job in this team to be a good left back defender and then once you've kind of got that mastered then we'll worry about like attacking runs overlaps down the left side because we attack down our right a lot more than we attack down our left and we always have done Like I don't know if that's a Stephen Hart thing or a personnel thing but we always kind of Really heavily weighted towards attacking down the right, so Ganda can just be a left back, a defensive left back, which is is fine now. And yeah, he really did well against Bustos, which uh, I think we can probably all admit that we we looked at that and went, that could be a bit a bit dicey. Yeah. But he, I don't, I don't think he was ever really that threatened by him.
1: Because I thought that like uh, for for this game, we would have brought in Tabby with his pace and stuff for that um, to mm. kind of uh, counteract that. But it goes to show you like that. Stephen Hart really is starting to trust Gander and like Gander's kind of pretty much made that left back slot his own at this stage which uh, is fantastic but he, he does the
0: thing you you talk about this a lot but like the the tucking inside to kind of make a back three when because Fernandes is incredibly attacking yeah. so every time he goes forward like you always say like Gander just tucks into former back three, so a bit more solid there, um, which works. It, it works well. I'd never noticed it till you said, but yeah, it does happen every match.
1: I want to talk a little bit about uh, obviously Man the Moment, Sammy Salter. So, first of all, Sammy what do you,
0: fucking so? What
1: what 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 do you think of? Uh, um, uh, I don't know if you caught this on the commentary, but uh, Adam Jenkins. Uh, has come up with a new nickname For Sammy Salter Obviously everybody knows him as Sammy fucking Salter But his nickname for him was Salty Because uh, he had because he had that like little Push and match with uh...
0: Every match he has a little push and yeah, so like, like, oh
1: it's, it's... It's, it's an easy way to go But like he is kind of salty And I was just like dude come on He's Sammy fucking Salty <laughs> Sammy fucking s-
0: <laughs> or, Like if you're feeling lazy Sammy Salts and that's it <laughs> go on Sammy Salts <laughs> <laughs> whichever you want but he's not salty but I love it He'd, every match now he gets in a little push pushing
1: well and he, he kind of like if you ever like if you ever talk to him or if you like, he's so unassuming and it's kind of funny how those kind of unassuming guys like are once they get on the pitch it's like Mark Hughes like Mark Hughes was like the quietest man in the world, yeah. stick him on the football pitch, and he turned into a beast. And it's just uh, the same as Sammy Salter. But... Have, you, have you,
0: have you interviewed, you've interviewed Salter, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Was mean, he, was he chatty, or
1: he, he literally just signed, and uh, it was okay. it, was during the bubble? And he's, as I said, he's a really kind of quiet guy. But I mean, like, um, he's, he's definitely focused, and a lot of people, like I was talking to Angus McNab before he signed for us, and he was saying that he actually rated Salter quite a lot. Okay. And after last season, I was just like, "This guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about." And then <laughs> he proved me wrong. Like, yeah. like Agnes, despite what's happened to York right now, kind of knows what he's what he's what he's up to. You know, mate. So,
0: look, look up, look up pictures of Salter when he was playing, um, university. So when he was playing university, he had long hair, and he is the spitting image for Andy Carroll. You're kidding me! I'm nah, Honestly, spitting image.
1: I, I, I kind of pictured him of having like something similar to Polisi, like a kind of died blo- or like frosted tips or something. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, he has that kind of vibe about him. But I did want to just I just want to just I did want to talk about uh, the the penalty um how he kind of um, set that up by cr- his close control again. Like I mean, like he he totally like bamboozled uh, Sean Young for that, and I kind of liked how he just grabbed the fucking ball as soon as, Mm. you know, like there was nobody going to take that penalty apart from him, but it it was such a, it was was a penalty or nothing really, Um, and his, his control was just phenomenal, and then the penalty itself was just
0: He's getting is he getting to that point like like iron robin that he's the cliche, isn't he? For where you know exactly what he's gonna do. He's gonna get that ball on the right hand side and he's gonna shift it onto his left foot every single time. Like I can't think of a single time he's ever gone round the outside and <laughs> like beat no. his man it's never happened and it never will happen <laughs> <laughs> that's it like, can you picture that in your head like him head down like beating him for pace around the outside because I can't definitely
1: not definitely it's never going to happen And I'm so sure I'm sure the like, left
0: back knows what he's going to do as well but you can't stop it
1: that's the thing though That was the same thing where, like Arian Robinson. the exact same thing that like you knew exactly what the fucker was going to do but sometimes you're just powerless to stop it but like Sean Young in his defense I guess had just come on I suppose and mm. was a little bit kind of slow getting into it but it was just I, I watched it again today. He won the ball in a tackle and then his close control was beautiful and it, w- it was just asking for somebody to stick a leg out and, and do it. But I also wanted to give a, a shout out to the uh, to the annoying fucker in behind the goal with the Vuvuzweide. Did you, did you mm. catch that guy when he was taking the penalty? I could
0: hear I could hear I could hear um bagpipes the whole game oh my god
1: yeah that that was odd but like
0: it's it's been tattoo the tattoo thing here this weekend hasn't it so when i was watching the game i thought i could hear something from downtown (laughs) i live downtown i thought i could hear something from that but it or on the replay i was like oh no it was actually there
1: the fucking loudest bagpipes in the world (laughs) no it has because there's a guy when salt was trying to take the the penalty somebody was in behind the goal like and he was like giving them the gears and then he blew into a view where the fuck like, I thought those things were banned. And it was they a should por- be banned. It was a fucking purple one, too. So obviously, like, the Pacific are selling the fucking things. But that's Mate, why Salter... Pri- after- prison
0: sentence. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you catch someone in prison sentence, they're the I, worst why, things that happen I think in that's football. why Salter
1: did the, uh you know, the shush celebration afterwards, because uh, okay. that guy's been fucking super
0: annoying. Can we, can we just do a pen... Sorry, really quickly, like, how good our penalty record is. It's fucking... Somebody, somebody pointed this out to me, actually. I think it was after... Her- Garcia had scored
1: against uh, York that we've never missed one
0: no we've we've had 16 penalties and we've never missed a penalty which is outrageous because the 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 scoring rate for penalties is like 75% or something so hypothetically we should have missed at least maths five penalties six penalties but Fucking we had- hell. I know, mate. I'm touching my desk here. I'm touching some wood because it, it, I don't want to fairness, it. In but... fairness, we've had
1: some really good penalty takers, like like Garcia. Yeah. Garcia is a really good penalty taker. Morelli, phenomenal. Who, who took them in season one? Is it was a uh, per-
0: Perea. Perea. Perea and I think Karima had one as well, but Perea was a fantastic penalty taker too.
1: And, and Sammy Salter, like, you know, Callum Irvin's like like a part, I know this performance didn't really show up, but he's one of the best goalkeepers in the mm. league. And it, It's just it's just everything he's touching right now is gold and I hope yeah. it really continues for him. Like, I mean, he's second in the, the scoring charts now. Like, uh, uh, Diaz doesn't look like he's going to be scoring anytime soon. Um, the only one that's probably going to give him a run for his money is uh, that Pepple kid from... Calvary, who's been on a, yeah. a chair since he came back into the league. But mm. so, um I, I did want to just quickly talk just touch on like our game management because it's always been a bit of a criticism of the team sometimes that they don't see out games properly. But Rampersat and Sam, I think it was around like the 60th minute. Like they did uh Sam went up for like a, a Peter Pushala just cleared the ball after somebody had, had a shot. I think it might have been Bustos and the ball was coming and did it literally like touched the back of, of Sam and he like did this theatrical dive and stuff like that but it just it just released that ounce of pressure it was a really good time that that happened and then Rampersat did it, the same thing and R- Rampy's air player and like obviously if somebody else was playing against them, they'd probably say that he's a house like Becker because he's hmm. he's really good at taking a bit of contact and falling over yeah. especially for the size of and he did the same thing with the uh, Jamar Dixon we were under pressure and they just had a really good chance and uh, he like got the slightest of nudges and just went over and was, I just thought like those little moments kind of just disrupted their play because they were kind of coming into it ever so slightly in the second half I think they must have had a rocket in the second half and they were kind of a little bit better but I just thought we controlled the game better than we normally do when we kind of there's there no time in that second half and I thought we're going to fucking blow this even when we were 2-0 up I was just like I just thought we had complete control of the game and I thought it was the game management was fantastic
0: mm, yeah see, when I when I see Rampasad do stuff like that and when I want to see Sam do stuff like that I think good I know good. Like, right? we, how many times before have we said like we're a bit nice and we're like we're like kind of a team of players you'd probably you want your daughter to marry but I, I, you know, we want them to be a bit more dickety and assholes yeah. and, and I've got I've like I have absolutely no problem with diving and stuff. I know that's a very unpopular thing to say, especially in North America, but like, I think the reason teams do stuff like that is because they have such a will to win. Like, an individual player is happy to go, I'm going to look stupid on TV here because everyone's going to see that I've dived, but I want my team to win this much. So I'm going to do that. And that's absolutely fine. I want players like that. I don't want players who are like, no, nah, I'm a man. I'm not going to dive. Like, I want players who are going to cheat to help us win quite frankly <laughs> <laughs> and that's absolutely well, fine with me <laughs> that's that's the most English thing I've ever heard you say man so there
1: you go no it's like like it's it's part of the game when like and I know people dislike it and but it's like it's just as I said in those kind of moments like like it's it's been professional and it's like did it did put his hand on his back so what it was technically a foul I guess but he just made it look a little bit more and like yeah. I, I thought the referee was very uh naive um like he had a great, he had a good game actually but I just thought those little moments he was kind of naive but yeah anybody- it
0: just shows us learning from forge again I think because again forge were doing all of that stuff to us last week and I'm sure we've looked at the tape of that game and gone we need to be doing more of this dickhead stuff and yeah oh big time continue but,
1: but anybody who wants to see a Awful, awful dive. I think it was around the 60th minute when Sam did his. It was uh, <laughs> Even though I think Adam Jenkins actually brought it up. He's like, yeah. oh, come on. He didn't even...
0: <laughs> I <was just> like... <laughs> he's a simulation, didn't he? <laughs> yeah.
1: I, love it, I love it. I love it. So, you know, look, looking towards uh, a Thursday and a game against uh, Ottawa, every game now seems like it's... Uh, like we're getting to that kind of part of the season, I guess, where like everything matters. Like, I mean, how do you think we're going to do? Because like, you know... Ottawa, we've kind of mentioned like on like before that they're kind of hit and miss, you know, like they they beat teams and they get hammered by Valor, they lose away to Edmonton. So what 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 way would you kind of go into this game? Because obviously we're gonna have tired players because there there's like travel issues on the weekend. I think that the boys got stuck in um, hmm calgary for six hours which sounds like my idea of fucking hell to be honest yeah
0: overnight at the airport on going into friday morning which again puts within that context that performance becomes even more impressive when you know they basically had no sleep 48 hours before the game and yeah and crazy
1: right so yeah what what do do you think we need to do um against ottawa to try and get away with the,
0: the three points here i think this is a massive game on thursday i think I don't know if like people have been paying that much attention to the table, but it's, it's a huge, it's the biggest game of our season. Like we are, I think we always had that, the Ottawa game circled because like we keep saying, like I think it's us and them and I think now Pacific as well, but certainly us and Ottawa who gets our fourth place. And if we, if we beat them, we overtake them in the table and we overtake Pacific in the table and we're third. And I don't know how that's happened quite frankly, (laughs) Um, but we are third and we're in a really, really good spot. And I think it's just you want to see a start to have some sort of consistency because we've not won two games on a bou- on the bounce yet. And it'd be nice to like get a bit of a run. Like teams, Forge and Cavalry aside, teams don't really go on runs in this league. Like yeah. every, every team is inconsistent except for those two. So it'd be nice for us to like even just put three or four wins together. And you, you do that and you're in an absolutely phenomenal position in the table. I totally agree. I
1: think um, this is like, a big big like these are the games we need to win at home like the forge forge and calvary are going to do their own thing i think they're going to be like gone like i mean the cavalry are on a five game winning streak at this stage so i mean like they're kind of like out of sight but this these are the kind of games that we need to pick up the wins at home like a draw yeah. okayish but like we really need to uh and i kind of old on one as well okay i there's something annoying about either The fans, the fans are fucking annoying, and yeah, it's
0: <laughs> they've <laughs> like, completely nicked that West. You know, the, all the West Ham fans for years have been doing the "We are massive" thing. Like, yeah, I think their fans have just completely nicked that from West Ham and kind of, yeah,
1: it's like, like let's be honest here. There is like one stand in that big stadium where they all are. <laughs> like, yeah, you're you're so massive, you don't even like fill one side of the stadium. <laughs> but Anyway, um, I, I, I just for people who haven't checked it out um you've just released a new um uh article with uh my vegan so what what were your big takeaways from from that and where can people check it out
0: yeah so like everything i write it's on fromaways.com um really good like i've I've done stuff with matt before i think he's a really open and he's very open he's a really interesting guy to talk to i think you've had him on the podcast as well haven't you like he gives really really in-depth detailed answers i think i think he's very conscious of being transparent and he's very aware that that is an attribute rather than something to be protected um so he's always really willing to engage and yeah some interesting stuff especially about like the under 23s and how to be announced soon i believe there's going to be an under 23 game against um plslq team Um, And he also said in the interview that we had one set up with Hibernian from Scotland. They're under 23s. But um, because Hibs qualified for the Europa League, they had to kind of redirect their travel budget to that instead. So that would have been great if that happened. That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's got a few connections with teams in Scotland because he said some stuff before about players they've been looking at in Scotland and partnerships and stuff. He's Scottish himself, isn't he? I... I think he's. I think he might be. Yeah, yeah. I know. He, I, think he's he, I think he grew up all over. I think he grew up a bit in England, a bit in Scotland, a lot in Canada. So, yeah. Um. See, so, yeah, I think he's got some connections there. So, yeah. Always interesting and like hearing him kind of talking about squad building as well. And what I thought was interesting was how he kind of tied into how now we've got a very defined way of playing it makes it much easier for him from a recruitment perspective to identify players who fit into that system rather than just getting a bunch of good players together and trying to figure it out afterwards um so yeah enjoyed it and you had your you had your Derek interview as well which was kind of around the same time i think wasn't it
1: yeah it was kind of like uh anybody who whoever listened to it, I, I think Derek is like and I think Matt as well, like they're really good PR people. Like, you know, I think there was a kind of a rain cloud, like a storm cloud around the place after the Forge game. Because, I mean, it's the second heavy defeat to Forge in the space of a month. Uh, a lot of people were kind of questioning on Twitter the direction of some of this stuff. And I, I think sometimes it's good to get, rather than us all speculating about how stuff works, is to ask people, like, you know what I mean? And I think that's one of the great things about Derek and... Uh, matt is that like they're generally pretty open about what's going on with the club and how they see stuff and um i i i really appreciated like how how open they are and i, I really enjoy talking i think derek's a great great guy to talk to like he's really kind of open about the fact that he's not a soccer guy like he hasn't come from that background so he's learning as he goes along and i think that's where matt and steven and stuff like that really help out by guiding him sometimes in the way that he wants Mm. like Derek will fill the stadium I think no matter what because yeah that's what he does he's a great businessman and he's a great promoter and um I I think sometimes he just needs that little bit of help with the the football side of it and I think having Matt and um Stephen there to kind of guide him is is really helped and just hearing the plans that they kind of have for the stadium and stuff like that just
0: sounds amazing
1: yeah and like you know I, I think that um, the city needs something like that. Like, mm. we're, like if, if if we have these grandiose plans to be this up-and-coming uh, city, we need a better transport, transit system. We need stadiums. We need facilities because that's what attracts people and that's what attracts businesses and attracts whatever is to have in those kind of yeah. facilities. So I really hope that the stadium comes along. Like, I, I think we need it because Derek kind of made a point of, like, how... You know we kind of all muck in and you know we we deal with the porta potties and we deal with whatever that kind of gets thrown at us at the at, at the wanderers grounds but you can only put over that for so long and I think mm. you know the kind of nice the nice part where we're all kind of like you know mucking in and getting along with it it will only go so far and you kind of you're gonna get sick of it you know not having running water and not having the proper toilets and all that kind of stuff we need to have that and I think the fans yeah. The city of Halifax is here, and it's not just like from a football side of things. It's like having rugby players, rugby teams coming in, and maybe hosting a couple of like,
0: like you know, the championship games for like the, the universities and stuff for like that. So, yeah, yeah, I um, agreed with what you I, you said in the interview. I think you said you moved here in 2010, didn't you, to yeah. Canada? And I remember, and I agree, I moved here in late 2016, and I was the same as you, I because I live very close to the grounds, and I just walk past it a lot and think what the fuck is this space? Like, why is this so wasted? This is in a brilliant spot and nothing happens here. And I know, um whatever that friends of the Halifax common, they're like very protective over that space, but I don't, don't think they were doing anything with it before. Or
1: Like, like heaven forbid, like it was like an empty space where, as I mentioned on the thing where uh, an American football or Canadian football goal on it, but like nobody was using it because like the, the pitch was awful. And like, there's so much red tape. Like you can't just like rock up there and, like do whatever because it was always locked Mm -hmm. so it was just this is barren land so i don't i don't quite get the argument of well you're destroying the space like the space wasn't being used for anything so i mean why not like if if that piece of land is supposed to be for everybody like the stadium just makes sense that like you know there's six and a half thousand people that weren't on that before are now mm. using it every week you know exactly every two weeks so like ask
0: yeah. any any ask any business in the vicinity of the grounds if they're happy about that being there and they they are delighted because they make a lot of money on match days like walk past it on a saturday and tell me that's not a good thing for this city it's it's a like a ludicrous argument to say it's not because it so evidently is and it's successful and it's working as well like like we sell out most weeks or come close to it like it's, it's a no-brainer i think i think it will happen i think like, there's, there's surely people aren't that dense to not want this to become...
1: You'd be surprised. But but that's yeah. the thing, though. Like, like I, I could understand if they were selling the land off for apartments or... Because that's where every spare scrap of land right now is going for apartments because the city's mm. getting bigger and people are moving here. But that they're not. They're using it for something that's good for the city. So, yeah, I hope that common sense prevails. Unfortunately, in life, that doesn't always happen. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, let's... Uh, let's wrap up there on uh, Thursday. Let's do it. Folks,
0: please. Right, folks, please. Time to drink up, folks. Get out. After a